hundred years. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Gotta get it done. No time for fun now. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Gotta move on. Mike Young, stories that need to be told. Sitting here with Stock Tip Dave. He left his brownie in the car. It was a cookie. Uh, <laughs> strong week, man. Strong week. I don't know what happened this week. I got a, I haven't had a job, like a real human being job in so long that it, it shook me up to be in an office. But I got the gig writing for Videos After Dark for Saget. Bob Saget is coming back strong in a few months on ABC. And I was blessed with the opportunity to be the head, you could call it the head writer of his show. There's, it's only me, Bob, and Michael O'Rourke sitting in a room, watching videos, making jokes, lining them up, giving every piece a laugh, a, a statement, a moment. And it's absolutely amazing working in, working in corporate America. I got a parking spot with my name on it. You pull in, it says Mike Young. Now all I need is a car. I haven't had a car in nine months. I returned my car nine months ago, went on the road for comedy, didn't buy a car. Came back, started walking. I looked at my steps. I got six to eight miles every single day I'm walking. Everybody said, Mike, why'd you get so skinny? What happened? You look great. How'd you lose weight? I could, didn't have an answer for him. And then I checked my... I checked my phone and I realized, oh, I've been walking six miles every day. I can't eat enough food. So I'm excited to get fat again. I want to put some pounds on. I want to get some pasta in my body. And I'm going to be a fat writer uh, very soon. So I've, I was in the office two days, two days in the office. Vin DeBona, you walk in, Vin DeBona, the guy's done very well for himself. He walks in in a slick Italian suit probably in his late 60s, early 70s, I have no idea. He is the owner of all video shows, Video After Dark, video, uh, America's Funniest Home Videos. I walked into the house that Saget built, and it was amazing. You walk in, uh, Bob and I went to work day one. We went there. There was 150 people, employees, out there at a, like having a picnic. Vin came in, said hello, introduced us to everybody, all claps, all love, and here we go. And yesterday we started working on the first episode, and it's a different comedy muscle. You know, you can you could talk all the shit you want, but there's a reason Vin DeBona's got 11 Maseratis in his garage. He's <laughs> found a way to make a fortune on these ridiculous videos that people send in. And it's a different comedy muscle in that you got to, like, you got to hit him with a joke up front. You got to look at the material. You got to figure out where you can come in with your voice. You can't step on the lines of the character. So where, you know, somebody might just look at that and go, God, that's ridiculous. It's really, it's actually a ton of work to get it to be a sequential full piece. And uh, I am, who's this calling me? Now that people know I'm working for the show, I got somebody calling me right now. Hey, man, hit me back. I want to send you the clips. Everybody's got their own video clips. And what people don't know is when you send us, if you send it to us, we own it. There's like a God clause where oh, wow. if you sent in 100 clips to us to our email at the, at the office, we now own your clips. 
we'd be partners with you. You get paid, but you now you got no say. So the move for anybody that's really trying to send me clips is send it to me personally. I'll look over it, and then we'll see if it makes it into the show. I'm sure you have a bunch to search through because you're going to have to filter through a bunch. No, no, no. We don't filter. There's no. a filter team. There's oh. a guys upstairs. Uh, there's 20 people upstairs. Oh, wow. That's all awesome. they do is watch videos all day and decide if these videos are good enough or funny enough to make it into the show. And then the filters from the top, and then boom, it comes down to our guy. And then our guy structures it. He takes it. He puts it into what you call a package. And so if like if you got 10 clips of babies, you know what I mean? Babies nursing on their moms. <laughs> boom, that makes it into one solid package. We get the funniest baby nurse on mommy over out of that and we go to work. And I got to be honest, it's a blessing. And I thank you Bob. I thank you Vindabona. And it's one of those things where you're like, I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this. You know what I mean? Exactly. And it's like a real job. It's cool. And it doesn't interfere with anything else I'm doing. It doesn't mess with my stand-up. It doesn't mess. I'm allowed by contract to do my movies and single mic and do whatever I want. So it's really a good time. You know what I mean? All I have to do is stay funny and alive right now. If I could just stay funny and alive, it'll be a good run. Exactly. And what's best is, you know, videos after dark, like you said, it doesn't have to be 100% PG. You can be, you know, throw out all kinds of jokes out there. Oh, yeah, we're going edgy, PG to R. Oh, we're going crafty. We're getting in the heads of babies and saying inappropriate things. You know what I mean? Bob will go be the voice of a cat and just, you know what I mean, lick his sister up and down. It's it's game on. And I just, you know, I have a, you know, you know how I am. I'm very, I keep things very simple in my brain. I don't like, like, I just got off, I'll, tell, I'll say this, I'll tell you this after, but like, I keep it simple in my head. My simple thought is, Let's make a hit show. Let's make Bob a rock star. That's all I think. That's all my thought is. Let's just make Bob a fucking rock star. Let's make the show a hit and get picked up for another 52. Exactly. We've already got picked up for two seasons already. Automatic wow. first. I mean, we got two seasons picked up. That's incredible. Guaranteed 13 right off the jump. And so I just, you know, Bob's looking at, you know, that's my brother, Bob Saget. I mean, I love Bob. He looked at me yesterday. He's like, is it okay if I eat this bread? <laughs> I said, no, it's not. It's not, Bob. No bread today. Yeah. We're going. We are getting strong, healthy. We're coming out in a leather coat dressed like Snoop Dogg, you know? Exactly. So I just want to do something fun, edgy, and, you know, let, the, let America love it until we sell it overseas. How was the, the wedding you went to? Bob got married, the Saget wedding. I can recap that for you since Bob's all over social media with it, and he's already talking about it, the Bob Saget wedding. I walk in, first person I see, Bill Burr. Bill and I know each other loosely, but we've, we've never really kicked it. I never really kicked it with Bill Burr. It's weird, you know, because I'm like a fan of Bill, but I'm also a peer in a way. You know what I mean? Like... He's at another level as a stand-up, but, like, I've always been a fan. So, you know, not every comedian knows every comedian. Not everyone's – Jeff Garland was there. I, I don't really know Jeff Garland. I've, I've met him a couple times at the store, but we got to hang a little bit at Bob's wedding. And so the first person I saw was Bill Burr. And Bill is just – dude, that dude is just a fucking brain full of fire and comedy. You know what I mean? He just can't help but be funny. You know, and he looked at me and I had on a suit. So I had my own suit ready to go. But then I was talking to Stamos 
and st- who's you know Stamos is like you gotta come to my house I got all these suits and I'm like bro I'm never gonna fit in your suit you know what I mean like <laughs> I'm 190 pounds 6 foot 2 you're 111 pounds you know what I mean your hair weighs 6 there's no way I'm getting <laughs> in your suit he's like no no these companies they send me suits and sometimes the suits are too big trust me you gotta come over so next thing I know I'm fucking half naked in Stamos's house trying suits on so I actually get a badass Dolce Gabbana Stamos suit. Oh, wow. And I walk, and, and it fits. The jacket fits, but the pants don't even come close. So I take the pants over to Nordstrom's. I'm like, listen, can you let these out as far as they can go? You know what I mean? Because I got big, <laughs> Jew-wide hips. And so they let the pants out. Boom. Pants fit. And I can't gain one pound if I ever want to wear that suit again. Like, I'm, I'm locked in at Stamos shape right now. But I walk in, I see Bill Burr, he goes, hey, man, everybody here is dressed like they're going to a funeral. What's up with the all-black suit? Because <laughs> Burr had, like, colors on. He had, like, blue and orange. You know what I mean? Like, he, was, he had, like, a fly, some kind of cool 1970s retro suit on. And, of course, he, had to, he, just, he banged me out on the suit. I said, listen, bro, relax. I got it from Stamos. He goes, you're in Stamos shape? I go, well, I'm not really in Stamos shape. I got, you know, I got more hair on my chest than Stamos has on his whole body. I'm not really in Stamos shape. But... It was cool because the suit fit. The wedding was super beautiful. They had it at Shutters in Santa Monica. You know, I've I never really go. I'm trying to think if I've ever been to like a celebrity type wedding. I guess my friend Jesse when he and Sarah their wedding was next level planet Zeno because it was just the nicest thing I've ever seen. But this it, but this was like celebrity. It was like John. My table was me, John Mayer, Jeff Ross, Ben Folds from Ben Folds Five. Ben's girl, who's super awesome, like a ballet, professional ballet dancer, of course, who was, you know, in, just looked in shape. And, you know, you sit down. Mayer is like, Mayer is like a funny dude. John Mayer, I got to say, he actually is a funny dude. And there's probably like a real reason why he goes on stage with, you know, with Chappelle and does his tour with Chappelle. He can hang. Uh, he he's not as funny as Chappelle, not even yeah. close. But I mean, as far as like witty banter, quick super thinker. smart, quick quick thinker, Mayer's funny. So he sits down. He sees Ben Folds. Ben Folds is like a musical genius who everybody who knows music has major respect for. Ben Folds. Do you know who that is? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Ben Folds. So Mayer sits down right away. He's like, Do you know, man? You know how sometimes like you just you you see somebody's music and you go, man, I'm just all I'm doing is playing guitar, man. I'm not doing anything. He's like, that's what you were to me, man. I looked at you and I saw you and I was like, man, I, I don't want to just play guitar and try to be Hendrix. I want to try to be Hendrix and Beethoven and da da da. He was like just gassing up Ben Folds, and Ben is like the nicest, chill dude. But you know, there's like some, Ben's got like a, a dark side, I could tell from hanging with him, just like an edgy side. And he's just smiling at Mayor, going, yeah, yeah, motherfucking right. You know what I mean? <laughs> fucking pretty boy guitar player. You know what I mean? Yeah, you want to be me. I'll fucking control the orchestra. Yeah. Like I've seen Ben Foles do a show in LA where he like had a full orchestra that he was conducting at the same time, getting the crowd to do exactly what he wanted. At the same time playing the piano, at wow. the same time singing, leaving the piano, you know what I mean? Just Then just reconducting. He, he's a maestro. He's got some shit going on in his brain that is next planet, next level. So that so Mayer's gassing up Ben Folds. I'm sitting there. Jeff Ross looks stoned, you know what I mean? He's just, everything <laughs> out of his mouth is funny, like a one-liner, you know what I mean? 
And it was just a hilarious, funny night. Oh, and our, and Danny A was at our table. Oh, wow. Danny A and his girl. So Danny A's at our table. Danny A's the actor and producer from my movie, A Stand-Up Guy. He's the lead. And Danny comes in, and this is what I love about Danny A. It doesn't matter what era we're living in. He's stuck in 1972. <laughs> he comes in. His, he's tan as can be. He looks exactly like Al Pacino. He's got a shirt buttoned down to the middle of his stomach, and he doesn't give a damn. He just don't give a damn. That's just how he is. Hey, hey, he goes to mayor. Hey, how you doing, man? I'm Danny. Nice to meet you. I'm Danny. Hear a lot about you. Hey, how are you? Ben? What's your... Ben? Uh, who is this guy, Ben? Danny starts saying, who's this guy, Ben? Everybody's jocking this guy, Ben. I'm like, honestly, Danny, if you ever got him to score one of your movies, you'd be the luckiest person ever. I don't understand. What's his name? I got to look up his music. Like, Dan, <laughs> It's unbelievable that Danny's in the arts because he can't name three fucking bands. Uh, so that was our table. The Sounds night, like a lot of fun. Fun table. <laughs> great food. I didn't drink. Everybody was you know, seeing if I was going to drink or not. I haven't drank in 10 months. I had one sip of scotch to celebrate the show with Saget one time, you know, like a week ago. Uh, but you know, it was a blast. Bob's daughters were there. They're awesome. Kelly, his wife had like, you know, four or five of her hot little single friends from Chicago. Of course, I didn't want to be that guy at the wedding. Like yeah. there's always that guy. Oh, I know someone like that. Yeah. There's that guy. Everyone <laughs> knows that guy. The fuck. And that guy was there. I'm not going to say his name, but that guy was there. And let's just say John Mayer got up and sang two songs for Saget two beautiful songs and obviously when mayor sings a song at a wedding and there's women there it's just over for the rest of us all the mortals all the regular dudes like me hair on my chest a little bit of thinning hair on top once in a while you know what i mean a little exactly. peppered gray i just shrunk you know what i mean what am i gonna do you know what i mean i mean i i, I I, I can't. You put me a mayor at a table with girls. We're going head to head. I got you, mayor. I got, well, I'm going with you, bro. I got you. You ain't knocking me out quick. But you give mayor a guitar at a wedding, and it's a wrap. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I like walked out into the hallway, and I see these three girls saying to mayor, "They're like, oh my god, and your energy just seems so positive. You just have a great energy." I said, "What about my energy? How's my energy?" I walked into the fray, right into the fray. I said, "Mayor, why is your energy better than my energy?" He goes, I don't know, man. Musicians just always get the good energy compliment. And when we started bantering about the, uh, about, we had an energy battle. Me and Mayor had an energy battle. But he is a super cool dude, and it was super nice of him to sing a song. So he sang two songs. Um, Kelly, Bob's girl, her dad gave a speech, beautiful speech. Her sisters gave speeches. Bob's daughters gave speeches. Norman Lear was there. The legend Norman Lear, you know, creator of All in the Family, oh, wow. the Jeffersons, some of the greatest Sanford and Son, some of the greatest television shows you've ever watched in your life, and which is so weird because that's who I wanted to be growing up. I didn't really think about being a celebrity. Like there was no celebrity. I was like, I want to be like that. I would watch TV shows and I would see Norman Lear's name pop up, and I'm like, whoever that is, I want to be that guy. He created all these characters, and that's who I wanted to be. So just involved Nor with everything. Yeah, and it's like. The whole thing was a beautiful, cool tribute to Bob, too, because Bob, you know, Bob is fucking quirky, man. You know what I mean? Bob ain't fucking Elvis. He's just an iconic, loving dude with, like, he just has so much love for people. You know, he's got his quirks like the rest of us. 
But like when you got Norman Lear and then you got Ben Folds and you got John Mayer, but you got Billy Crystal. You know what I mean? You got, you know, you got fucking, you got Jeff Ross and then you got George Shapiro, 80 something years old creator, you know, head of, who owns Seinfeld. It just is a testament to, you know, people that really dug and dig Bob. And so it was fun. Now, me not wanting to be that guy, that being said, there was one fine-ass girl at the wedding, bro. <laughs> I'm talking about everybody was like, who is that? Did you get her number? Not only did I get her number, stock tip Dave, <laughs> but who do you think was slow dancing to Purple Rain with her by the end of it all? Uh-oh, you? Exactly. Bye, Mayor. Get your guitar. Grab your backpack. Wrap it up. You sang your songs. We'll see you later. See, it's funny you Stamos, <laughs> you're married, bro. Your wife is here. She's beautiful and awesome. Goodbye, Stamos. <laughs> Jeff Ross, you're a great dude. One of the greatest roast masters of all time. Your Hall of Fame roast. Hall of Fame. Jeff, step back, playboy. <laughs> I got to talk to this girl. See, I know someone who's the guy you mentioned. He was that guy, and he would go to weddings and not book hotel rooms because he expected to meet a girl at the wedding, to, and he would stay in their room. Well, he's just an idiot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that guy gets hashtag me too right now. You know what I mean? I do all my shit above board, bro. I don't, I don't creep. I don't plan on staying the night in the girl's hotel room. I'm not a fucking street level playboy. You know what I mean? I'm not a gigolo. No, I'm a fucking hairy Jew who likes women. And by the end of the night, of course, I'll probably never go out with this girl. I know I won't because while we're slow dancing, she's telling me about all the nonprofit organizations she's involved in. She's saving animals, animals all over the planet. I love that. But then when she hit me with, I live with nine dogs and cats. Oh, it's over. It's over. It's a wrap. <laughs> I don't give a shit how good you look. And she looked. I'll show you her picture. Might need like three or four Clarit- Claritons. Three or four Claritons. I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you her name, Dave. You're going to pull up the picture, and then you're just going to go, oh, my God. And then that's, you just do whatever you want. But sh- let that come up. Uh, she's a stunner. She was a playmate. She was on that show uh, where, you, where girls hold up numbers, uh, deal or no deal. She was, I think she was girl number 18 on deal or no deal. She's beautiful. But you got nine cats and dogs, say goodbye. It ain't going to work. You know what I mean? That just means you're super lonely. You got way too much time on your hands. And you like animals more than people. And God bless you, but I actually like people more than animals. And I can come out and say that. Yeah, she's definitely very good looking. Right? And I'm not... Yeah, who'd she date? Matthew McConaughey? Who is that chiseled weirdo? Something clear... No, it was... um... Who is that guy? Who's Andrew Stern? Who is this guy? Yeah, he looks like he owns a club in Miami. You know <laughs> Miami I mean? club owner. That's probably what he is. Yeah, bro. I slow danced with her. And she was talking so damn fast about all these animals and the saving and the orangutans and the and the jungles. But then when I slow danced with her to Purple Rain, I settled it down Detroit style. And brought her in. She needed a hug. I could feel it. She had just gotten back from Indonesia. Oh, wow. She said she was on the plane that left and crashed, that cra- plane crash. She was on the same plane and she's the day before. Oh, wow. No, no, no. She didn't survive a crash and then come to Saget's wedding, bro. Nobody's, <laughs> you know what I mean? We, they love Bob, but you, you crash in a plane and you survive, you don't go right to the wedding. You go, you t- take a moment, think about your life and how lucky you are. But so we slow danced to Purple Rain. We took the night down a couple notches. You know what I mean? 
I didn't drink, so then I got out of there, went home, went to bed, and woke up and went to work on videos after dark. Oh, actually, no. What I did was I went to my lawyer's office because, you know, these days everyone signs everything with electronic documents and things. I still don't know how to really get that going on DocuSign. And I really like the old school feel of I like my lawyer to print it out. I like to have a pen in my hand. I go to the lawyer's office. I go, tell me where to put my name. They put a bunch of stickers there. I sign my name everywhere. Turn it in. You know what I mean? I did the same thing. ICM. You know what I mean? You're going to represent me now. I appreciate it. They've been my, they've been trying to do things for a while. Let's, let's see what we got going, ICM. Exactly. I don't just write videos after dark, ICM. Let's go, bro. <laughs> I got movies. You know what I mean? I got Mike Epps calling me. He wants to have lunch. I don't want to have lunch so much. I want you to – you call Mike Epps. You, you make the deal. Let's make a deal. Exactly. Like, you know what I mean? Let's make a deal and we'll you get that girl to, to hold up a you. number. You know what I mean? Yeah. Work for me. Let's work together. I got a lot going on, man. I need help. You know what I mean? Exactly. Stock tip Dave. I don't want to dog you out, but I'm going to dog you out right now. All right? I tried to get Dave to help out. All right? He made a, f- a very fatal flaw. And you're going to... This is, this, is, this is for you. We had Dave. Me and... K- we're shooting a show called Single Mike. We are filming it. Kevin Connolly is directing it. I am financing it. I'm producing it. I'm starring in it. We are casting it right now. We had a table read. The only job you had was to print up 15 scripts. Don't get sad. Don't get bummed out right now. This is good learning lessons all the way down the line, bro. Your job was three scripts. Sorry. 15 was when I had to do. I went and paid 300 at Kinko's, FedEx, high stock paper, and, and did my own 15 scripts after this. All we wanted Dave to do was get three scripts with Brad's in them. To, so the actors could flip the pages easily and everything would be nice for the read. Dave comes. He'd made a good, valiant attempt. He put the brads in. He didn't realize that he put tiny little brads in the three-hole punch. And when you flip a page, the page comes off. I'm not going to get into it with you, but I am putting you on blast because... My mistake. Yeah, we're trying to just we're just trying to get you going, bro. Absolutely. Trying to get you going. One and I know you've then. probably never dealt with scripts before. And I learned, I had to learn this the hard way. 15 years ago, I remember I gave Doug Ellen something that I wrote, and I didn't spell check it enough. And there was a couple spelling errors, and Doug's like, don't ever give me anything that hasn't been fully spell checked and isn't in proper order. Because, you know, when you're a young writer and you're doing your thing, you don't know. You just don't. Unless you have a mentor. I didn't have a mentor in this game. Like, Bob is kind of mentoring me. He's mentored me through the landscape of stand-up and specials and TV network stuff. And he has mentored me. But back then, I didn't have any kind of writing mentor. I was a, I'm a hustler. I'm, I was, you know, yeah. I was getting gigs. He, you know, I got a dope dealer, gangster, paying me 100 an hour in cash <laughs> to write his story. I'm getting wires coming in, 50000 from somebody... You know what I mean? Who wants to tell their story but doesn't want to go through the proper channels at the time. This is before I was even in the Writers Guild. You're just hustling any way you can. So you don't know all these things. But you learn quickly that every single thing matters. I'll never make that mistake again. I know. I know. Even though before that you had the two different title pages, you, you made two mistakes. The two title pages, you didn't look clear enough. It didn't click. I'm willing to give you a pass on that just because you've never really seen scripts. and But that's it. You only get one pass. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Because yeah, to me, it's a very simple thing. If that cover page doesn't look at the other cover page, there's an issue. we got to talk about it. Let's get it fixed. Yeah, absolutely. 
But that being said, everything matters. And when you hand, if you're if you're trying to get an actor attached, this is business, man. I know it's a fun business. It seems like a fun business. But the truth is, it's a business, man. And if people have time is your greatest commodity. And all we have is the, our time. And if you don't value someone's time enough that you're willing to give them some shit that's clunky, then you're just disrespecting them and making yourself look bad. So I had to take a couple of strong beatings before I learned that. But everything <coughs> everything matters. And you got to hand you got to hand in your best shit, your best work, you know? And nobody likes like as a writer, I fucking no one loves rewriting. But it's so part of the game that it's not even funny. It's the only part of the shit that matters. It's like you think you wrote some miraculous, amazing shit first, and you're going to hand it in first? Go, go ahead. Good luck, buddy. You have to go back and go over it. Go yeah. back and go over it. Go back and go over it. So by the time I handed in, even to Kevin, by the time I gave him the first draft of Single Mike, that was the 11th draft. I'd gone over it 11 times. And then we still have notes. I'm still tweaking it. So... You got to flip your mentality to the mentality of like... Everything matters. Everything matters. Even the smallest thing. The smallest thing matters. You know? And it's like, I just got off the phone with the agent from the White Boy Rick book. So we're trying to get a deal, you know? And I, I had a deal on the table. I remember like a year ago, I had a deal with Simon... Or with... Uh, uh, not Simon Schuster, with um, one of those... A big company, Penguin. Or, I, I forgot. I don't even want to say the name because I can't remember. I had, Oh, no. Simon Schuster, I did with Rappaport. I had a deal with a company and they were they were harassing me to get paid numbers done, pages done, things done, and my deal wasn't solidified. And I was a sucker because I went down the road with them thinking they were going to pay me no matter what, and then I blew up. I blew, I couldn't take it anymore. You know, they hadn't paid me and I'm getting bossed around by some freaking clown in a fucking buttoned-up pink shirt editor you know what i mean one of these editor guys with the i don't trust anybody with a clean beard i'm sorry <laughs> except ice cube ice you know cube. what i mean but everybody in the corporate world if you got a buttoned up shirt and your beard super perfectly trimmed i don't trust you we're never gonna get along <laughs> you know what i mean if you don't have enough dirty going on like if you can't i got hair on my tricep all right let's just say that <laughs> don't come at me with your bullshit and 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 listen i know most of the editors they want to be writers and some will become writers but i don't like the haters the hater type editors and i blew up on the guy and i was just like yo bro forget it don't talk to me like that don't demand ten thousand words not on friday and you don't even have you know what i mean we don't even have a, a deal in place and then i got the agent his you know my agent at the time who was repping it just trust me 100 percent. the money's guaranteed and of course after i yelled at the guy he killed the deal so i lost the deal but my point is you have to keep i i i say keep your brain keep your mindset when you're doing anything keep it very simple and keep it and i'm not speaking from like the greatest amount of experience i'm really not i've only done one book you know I mean, I've written a few movies that have getting produced or whatever, but like, and I'm not, I'm not an expert to, per se. I'm just saying what for my brain to operate, keep it at the simplest level of make something great and then share it. So like I got off the phone with the white boy, Rick, the new agent, and she's been talking to these editors at these companies who were trying to get a new deal. And I knew it was going to be very hard because there was already a deal in place before and there's baggage attached. But I love that most of these editors 
are coming back and they're going, they're com- they're going. Um, there's so much baggage attached. I don't know why I'm giving them this voice, but this is like my bitch voice. <laughs> there's so much. There's so much baggage attached to this project. I just don't know if we can do this. There's so much, and the movie didn't really do well. So like that doesn't help us. That's the opposite of how I think. I think that the White Boy Rick story that the movie wasn't able to, to cover, it just didn't tell it right. It just you can't cover that much yeah, in the book. Hour would be and way half. better. That the book is going to be fifty times the information that government, politicians, political players that got paid along the way, the 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 corruption, the deception. The dope dealing, the kingpins. Like a white boy Rick was doing business with Escobar's people yeah. up in Miami in the 80s. You know what I mean? So my whole opinion is like, I don't want to hear shit from these editors that are so much baggage. Watch what happens when Rick gets out of jail. Knock on wood, he gets out in December. That's where we're, we're trying to get him out. And it's I don't want to speak too soon, but it's right now it looks good. And everybody would be, it would behoove everybody to let him out. You know what I mean? Like you heard him. Absolutely. Well, did the the movie only covered what happened in De- De- Detroit? It didn't cover anything else, right? They never went to Vegas for a real. They didn't really go. Oh, I can't remember if they went to Vegas. Actually, the movie only covered a certain amount. They didn't dive deep into what his dad's business of gun running was. They didn't dive deep into the relationship that his sister had with the gangsters that caused Rick to get involved. They didn't get dive deep into the fact that he was 15, starting to move real weight on private planes coming in from Miami. They didn't touch on the fact that he was going to Miami, meeting with Escobar's people, his yeah. underlings. They got to remake the movie. You know what I mean? They're not remaking the movie, Dave. It's over. <laughs> it's over. We're gonna do. We'll do something. I'll talk to Scott Silver. We'll, we'll write something dope. But bottom, my point is, it's a great story, and great stories you can't hold them back. Exactly. They're going to get told at some point. So if you're an editor out there and you're really shooting shit down quick, I don't hate you because you probably got ten things on your desk that you're looking at, so you don't have the brain power. Or the gut to know that like this could be gold in front of you. You just you might miss it. It's like there's a book called Con- Confederacy of Dunces. Aaron, did you ever read that book? No. Have you heard of it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Confederacy of Dunces is probably the best book I've ever read. It's it's uh, who look up Confederacy of Dun- I think it's written by O'Toole is the author, and Ignatius P. Riley is the main character. This book was written by O'Toole, and it was his just it was a it's like a masterpiece it's like the greatest characters the greatest picture of the uh, new orleans underworld the most hilarious character i can't read that john kennedy tool yeah john kennedy tool that's the author john kennedy tool couldn't get his book published it was getting shot down by everybody people were saying it was too dirty it was this and that no one was understanding the humor the guy fucking went crazy sadly enough he was depressed he killed himself he said right here, it actually got published 11 years after he passed away. 11 years after he killed himself, his mom took the manuscript and chopped it around again. One brilliant editor at some company who, was a, who saw through the fat, <coughs> excuse me, who saw through the bullshit, who cut through all the other people saying no, saying no, saying no, saying no, took a shot with what he thought was something great and the book won the Pulitzer Prize for fiction. Wow. And just look, make sure I get that right. It wasn't the, there's not a Nobel for fiction, is there? It's the Pulitzer for fiction. Yep, you're right, 100%. Yeah. 1981. Yeah, it won the Pulitzer Prize for fiction. And it just makes you go, if you got something great, 
it's going to get out there. It's good. People are going to see it. Now, listen, some people have bad taste and they think something might be great and it just might only go so far. But if something's truly universal and can like strike a chord with a massive audience and just strikes a chord with people, it's, it's going to get out there. So may fight not, it. Just may not take it overnight, but it'll eventually Exactly. Happen. And by the way, I like the fight. I used to, you know, my dad always told me growing up that you're going to have to kiss ass in this world, just of business, and you just got to kiss a little ass, and you got to know how to play the game. You just do have to play the game a little bit. But the grit and the fight part of it all is a fun part of it to me. Like, I I can't even tell you how many times I've been told no, bro. I mean, I've been no'd on everything. You tell me no, I just go to the left. Tell me no again, I got to circle to the right. You know what I mean? It's all a big sales game. Half my friends in Detroit growing up were like, you are fucking nuts. You're an idiot. Why would you go try to do comedy and move? That, my friends were like, that's not even a thing, like being a comedian. That's not even a job. There's no, there's no such thing as making a living writing things. Like, what are you talking about? Why don't you go into your dad's scrap business? You know, you got to be a wake up, man, you know? And some of those people now I still talk to, and they come at me like, oh, man, congratulations. You know, it's so cool to see. We're still we're rooting for you. Stop rooting for me. I don't want to be rooted for. There's no rooting. Writing is no different than being a plumber. You know what I mean? It's just a job. Yeah. It's a job. So it's a craft, and you got to work hard and do that. So don't root for me. Unless you're rooting for your roofer, and you're rooting. <laughs> that's kind, that sounds condescending to me. Am I wrong when you're rooting? I'm rooting. Well, they just want to see you do well. Yeah, but what if you're already doing well f- for a long time? You're working. You're getting jo- You're doing jet. You're working. I've been working for years. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have to root. It's like this this business is so crazy. You could be on top of the world and, oh, you did it. And then your show gets canceled. And exactly. four years later, well, you, you better start rooting again. You know what I mean? It's like people put like this fucking tag on like the Hollywood game. Like it's like this super special thing. The special thing is being able to work yes. in the business. That's the special thing. Is being is, The work is this thing. If you're allowed... If you're allowed to to make money writing stories or writing comedy or doing, you're fucking blessed. You're lucky. Exactly. Like you said, some people think it's extravagant, glamorous. A lot of it, there is a lot of glamour and extravagance, but you will go in a tunnel and you'll sit there and write and see nobody because you're just working, 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 and you won't even go outside. Yeah. I don't see a human till seven o'clock some days. Do I? Am I getting weird? Yeah. I'm becoming a weirder person. <laughs> Absolutely. It's having an effect on my social life. It's like when they lock you up in solitary. You know what I mean? Prisoners go crazy. You know what I mean? When you're in solitary, writers go crazy. You can go crazy. But that's why I get out. I take crazy long walks. Yeah. You know what I mean? For, clear your mind. Yeah. I'm, I'm on those six-mile walks, and uh, I clear my mind all. I'll walk forever. So you're like probably up to, what, 20 miles already? It's only been November. October, you probably walked, what, like 30 miles in, in October? I mean, honestly, Dave, so what they go from... If you don't mind, you could silently do it, but that was the 14th. Just add up the miles every day up, up until now. Just just quietly in your head, and I'll, you just let me know when you get a number. Okay? Just You do that. But that's when you come with this number, that's how you're going to know that writers are whacked out, and we need long walks. And if, unfortunately, you can't walk, get on a bike. You know what I mean? Take a swim. Do whatever so, you got to do. In the span of six days... You've walked 40 miles 
in six days alone. That's not even one week. Right. I'm like a Jew crossing the desert at Passover. <laughs> That's not nothing. One you want to so go to right? You want to go to. If you wanted to go get up on the... If you want to do actual math, uh, that's like 160 miles for an entire month if you kept that same exact route for every week. <laughs> Wait, that's what? So if it's 40 miles for six days, I'm assuming you did another five on Sunday or whatever it was, which yeah. was 45. So if yeah. you did that every week, you essentially did almost like 170 miles in an entire month walking. Yeah, yeah. I'm Forrest Gump of the walking world. <laughs> so many people have seen me on Third Street walking. It's actually becoming like a weird thing. And thank God and for single mic when we shoot like Facebook Live as part of the gig, as part of the show. And it's funny because Connolly, it was his idea to put it in the show. And I, I was hesitant at first because I couldn't wrap my head around, do people want to see somebody walking? But then when I went to Saget's wedding, there was like 10 people there that I don't know, that are like, dude, your Facebook lives are the best thing I've ever seen. They're like, <laughs> and I'm like, why? Like, all I do is talk normal into the thing. They're like, that's what it is. You just talk and you say hi to people that go by and you're not like putting on a show. You're just living in the phone. Or and like when you're driving, because you, you're like, you're yelling at drivers, you're like, seriously, dude, come on. Yeah, it's those moments people actually <laughs> love. So I'm definitely striking a chord with it. And... Let me pat myself on the back one more time because no, because no one else is going to do it. But we had the table read. I'm sorry. We couldn't bring you the table read. We were very upset with you about the script, Brads. You didn't make the table read. But at the table read, Matthew Carnahan. Look up Matthew Carnahan. He's the executive producer, showrunner for House of Lies. He's probably had three or four hit shows. He's an OG writer, genius writer, Matthew Carnahan. He was at the table read. And when you get somebody like Matthew, you know, I can't read it. Got it right here. What were his shows? Okay, his shows were, let's see here. He's known for House of Lies. Mm-hmm. House of Lies, Fast Lane, The Fugitive. Yeah. So Matthew Carnahan is a high-level writer, producer. He was at the table read with everybody, the actors. We were reading out loud. Matthew Carnahan took me outside and basically was like, dude, I fucking love this. I love, I love it. I love your writing. And that, to me, when, you, when somebody who you look up to as, as a, you know, we're not quite, I mean, I don't know, for peers, I don't even know what that means. What does a peer mean? Someone your age or someone you're um, at the same level at? Yeah, so, peer. Yeah, like peer, like be the guy that's working next to you. So like, Got it. So he's someone I look up to because he's run shows. You know, but I also, you know, whatever. He's somebody I look up to. And he took me outside and talked to me for 45 minutes about the show. And he loves the show. He loves the character. And he gave me, like, when you talk to somebody at that level, they're able to give you, like, clarity, like, super clear notes. It's like when me and Connolly talk about the show, he's like, yo, bro, get this. And then what about that one joke towards the end of the bus? And then you got to get that one joke back in. It's like, yo, bro, I need a broad stroke note that's going to make this thing tighter. But I'll get the jokes in. Don't worry about the jokes. I'm going to get that in. Carnahan was able to tell me three things about the show. He goes, I would only give you three things. He's like, have one sentence that clarifies your character so that every time you're writing, that's what you're riding with. You know what I mean? You got that in mind. And he was like, yo, how about this? He's like, being single in LA is hell. And it just got worse. <laughs> I said, motherfucker, that is so damn poignant and awesome. So that was a gift that he gave me. 
And then he said, I love the Facebook Live in this thing. He's like, put it in a couple more times. You know, you only do it at the front. Do it, button it, button it, button it at the end because it's a great look. You know, do that. And so he gave me those two notes. And then he just said, be careful and mindful of the era that we're in with this Me Too shit going on, the whole Me Too thing. Because you got like, you know, you're, you're, you got bros and you got buddies in here. You're real male driven. Make sure the females get a voice. So I had to go do like a female pass. Even though the single Mike character, even though he's all for women, he's not like in a, you know, he's not a playboy or anything like that. He's all for women. It wasn't clear in the script. So I went back in and like in that one scene where the, the dude smacks my friend's ass, that he smacks a girl's ass. I come at him like in a real me too way. I'm like, you don't smack ass post-movement. You don't smack ass, bro. You know what I mean? You smack a girl's ass now, we take your father's business. Exactly. We take your dad's whole company. Got to make it relevant to the times. Totally relevant to the times. And I go off on the guy. He's like, my dad died. I'm like, well, good for, good for everybody then. You're lucky. <laughs> Consider yourself lucky that your dad's not alive because we'd be taking his company right now. Don't smack asses in public. It's over, bro. You don't grab, the, you don't grab girls anymore. You don't grab. You put a hand on a thigh, you say a prayer. You know what I mean? That's what you do. It's up to her, not you. So I had to go back in and finesse that because we are living in a wild, a wild moment. And uh, obviously, Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle, Saget, all the great, all the comedians are like hitting on the subject on stage. And obviously, there's a, you know, there's only one side, and that's like be respectful of women. But there's, I'm not down with these. I'm not down with these gold digging girls, and they're out there, believe me, that are coming at these dudes to bring them down and get money and really ruin their career, take their money because cause their shit's not working out. You know, so believe me when I tell you there are some women that are that are are are, are gearing up. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. And don't even come at me and say there's not, because you could just go listen to Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa is the song on Lil Wayne's album. It's true stories. It's, and I couldn't believe Lil Wayne did this song. He did a story. He did a song. And I know people who have been robbed this way. You know what I mean? About fine girls in Hollywood. Well, oh, Ken Johnson. That's weird. Fine girls in Hollywood coming at you, setting you up. You know what I mean? They, they take you to home. They get with you. They sleep with you. They do their thing with you in your nice, beautiful mansion. They know your game. They got three hoods in the background waiting to come rob you. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. So there are some scandalous women just like they're scandalous men, you know? So we got to be careful with the movement and keep it very, you know, just keep it simple. It's very simple. Don't be rapey. Don't be gropey. Don't abuse your power. Don't be a scumbag. You know what I mean? And that's then you're good, you know. I always said like, I was trying to write a bit about it. uh, The bit was kind of just like, yo, you rich, gropey, rapey dude, your days are over, bro. You know what I mean? Make room for the good guy. You know what I mean? Make room for the middle class, bro. We're coming back. You know, personality's making a comeback, and that's like my joke. I got eight jokes in a Honda Accord. I'm doing great. You know, I'm sleeping with everybody. You know, (laughs) that's the joke of it. But the truth is really, you know, it's these scumbag dudes who never got laid in high school who hate women on some level. <coughs> and they're just abusing their power. So your day's over. The Harvey Weinsteins, you're making it into rap songs. You know it's over when you start when rappers are t- using your name for that. You know, Pusha T's got a song. He's like, a Harvey Weinstein, the game. 
you know, whatever that means. Rape the game. I don't know what it, I don't know what it means. But <laughs> yeah, now he's just a reference. He's a reference. He yeah, you got Weinstein. <laughs> if you Weinstein somebody, you're a scumbag. I don't even know Harvey Weinstein. I I, I almost feel bad talking about people that I don't know because I'm not like a gossip type of dude. Even though I just told you everybody that was at Saga's wedding, but that's because it's on social media. Plus, it was fun going to a celebrity wedding because I don't give a shit what happens in my career. Like I I give a shit, but like even if I became if even if my single mic becomes a huge hit, I'm always going to feel my Detroit DNA. I'm never gonna feel like I'm in the cool crowd. I don't know, even though I am, in a weird way. Like my friends are outcasts, but we're cool. You know, my group of friends here, they're yeah. all very, they've done very well. But I feel like I'll never, I don't know, man. It's a weird thing. I'm not, I'm not, I think it's like an insecurity complex that you get from just growing up wherever you grow up. And I think I have like an insecurity complex where I'd never feel in you know in the hollywood scene but then you get in the hollywood scene and you go oh shit i don't really want to be in like that i don't want to be that in you know what i mean like i'm not i'm cooler my seven friends from detroit that i played summer league basketball with are cooler that cooler than these 10 hollywood dudes that i'm meeting for dinner you know what i mean it's just the way it is so you know i'm sure a lot of people are insecure about you know where they came from and all that stuff yeah they come out here trying to change their whole game you know what i mean can't change your game wherever you are from whatever you are yeah. it's going to be found out yeah it comes with you comes with you you know what i mean you're from fucking kentucky you come out here bro i don't <laughs> care if you got a great haircut and new shoes you know what i mean we're going to be able to tell in five minutes when you start drinking bourbon and ordering hot chicken wings where you're from <laughs> and what you're about don't try to play caviar we know you're a wolf in sheep's clothing you know what i mean you're going to get found out but um, I have to get to casting soon. Yeah. We have a casting session for Single Mike today. And I'll tell you my, one of my favorite things about these things. I went up to the comedy store last night, and I'm like, why am I seeing 30 actors when I've got four friends at the comedy store that I would hire right now? So I actually told a couple of the homies at the comedy store to get it to come in for auditions just to put yourself on tape it's always uncomfortable auditioning for your friends in the same room it's a weird thing but i just basically said you know you could just to be more comfortable yo put yourself on tape like i have ideas for certain characters and there's a couple comedy buddies that fit the idea and i'm thinking about casting the manager role because i was going to initially do it like a hippie type dude what do you think about like having my manager be black like my black manager because but in a click, like a really, not a Hollywood type manager. I want a manager who also has like a grow house for marijuana in San Fran. <laughs> he's also connected to the streets in LA, but he's also managing comedians and actors on the if he can, because those dudes exist. They're out there. I know a few of these guys, and they're awesome. You know what I mean? Oh, I definitely think it would work. And their little their management pocket. That's just a side hustle. They already made their, ma- their their money in another side. You know what I mean? I think that type of character who could manage me would be awesome. You know what I mean? Like I come in, I'm like, what's up, man? Did we get anything, anything new, any new news? Like I, don't, <laughs> I know you're rich and you got nine other things going on, but what's up, you know? And I, I want my manager to be like, yeah, it's all good, man. I just sold another show. You're not in it, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Just I'm, I'm thinking outside the box. You actually reminded me of someone I've seen at the comedy store. I can tell you who I'm talking about later, but um, it fits every, everything you just described except for one detail. Who? <laughs> um, you can tell. 
I don't know his exact name, but he's at the comedy store. I swear, I, I usually see him wearing a bandana, and he's got like long hair down to here. He's always hanging out in the back hallway. Is this one guy with long hair? Bandana? Um, yeah, he's is he a comedian? I think so. But he always wears some, some kind of hat, but he's got like literally hair down to here, like brown hair. Not um, Dalia. No, not Dalia. It's um, but somebody who's actually usually hangs out next to him or near him. Oh, that dude is he kind of tall? Kind of tall. Always has like long straight hair. Um, no, not Jeremiah. Not Jeremiah. I know who you're talking about. Dark hair. Yeah, he has dark hair. Yeah, he just he looks exactly like you just said, like a, yeah, yeah, like a yeah. type person. I know that guy. I forgot his name. I, I he he might be like Delia's brother or something. I think I think Chris has a brother. <laughs> Seriously, he used to come to the comedy store. I, I know who you're talking about. He's got a bandana and a hat. Yeah, he rocks the combo. Yeah, for sure. And that's how he acts, just like that. Dude, that's a good casting call, Dave. <laughs> Find out who that guy is. Okay, well, I'm serious. Exactly. Usually, every that's time a great I see him, casting call. Stock tip, Dave just became casting associate. Um, what else? Did I cover any everything? I mean, I, I got to get out of here in a minute because it's going to take us 30 minutes to get to the office. Yeah, we we'll save it for next week. We'll save it for next week. Mike Young, stories that need to be told. Sitting here with stock tip Dave. I know a lot of his stocks have gone down a little bit, but now's a good buying time. Get, yeah. get in right now. The whole market went down. The so market went that. down. Go in on your Canadian marijuana stocks. Just so get in there. They're all low right now. Discounted. You know what I mean? I know that when my high-end friend in New York who like makes fortunes, when he goes in on the Canadian weed market and he broad strokes it all across the board, I know it's going to be something. This guy's a genius. So we'll talk to you later. Me and Saget are going to be on the road. I could tell you right now because he can't stop texting me. We are doing, we will be doing stand-up every week. Clubs are January, February, March, April, 10 to 12 straight days of theaters. Maybe May, but on a couple gigs, you might have to take a hit. Oh my God, I ain't taking a hit. What do you mean a hit? Detroit, bam. Bob is so awesome. When he gets OCD, he can't stop. Um... Every now and then. Okay, so yeah, me and Saget are going to be in. We're going to be in Nashville, San Jose, Miami, West Palm. We're going to be in Utah. We're going to be in Rochester, New York, New York City, New Hampshire, um, Pennsylvania. We're going, we got, we got about 20 cities that we're doing. Nice. And I'm super psyched, it's super du- duper psyched. All kinds of busy. Yeah, all kinds of busy, but I don't ever want to say I'm so busy because that sounds corny. Oh, we still got to maybe... Check out that North, the Northern California comedy thing with the dispensary and all that. Yeah, call your boy, bro. I don't have time for that. That's something you can do, Dave. I know. You know what I mean? You got free time. I'm trying to, I'm trying to give you the reins, let you be strong. Yeah. Take the initiative. Call your boy. Book us up there. Tell me the date, how much we're getting paid, who's paying for it, where we're staying. Okay. You do that. I, I, you know what I mean? I, I can't think of that. This is Mike Young, stories that need to be told. Aaron, thank you, bro. I'm gra- glad that all things comedy hasn't thrown me off their network yet. We, you know, we're trying to build a, we're trying to build an audience. I've been slightly inconsistent, but that's what happens when you're making TV shows. Exactly. You know what I mean? And uh, we'll talk to you later. Peace. Talk to you soon. Take me back when I was a kid. Take me Never back. Never had now. to worry about what I did. The one time I'm a man two. now. Check it out. Now. Gotta the get it down. No sound. time for fun down now. now. Take me back uh, when I was a kid. Two. Never had to worry about what I did, but I'm a man now.